Hello, and welcome back to It's Your Money, the podcast from Mayor Brownsword, where we take a deep breath and enter the world of money in 2022. I'm Andrew Harrison, and here with me as ever, it's Andy Mayer. Hello, Andy. How are you? Afternoon. Very well, thank you. Lively couple of weeks. Anything been happening <laughs> in particular that you can think of? I... <laughs> During the six months of the initial lockdown of COVID, I think I had six phone calls. I think I got six phone calls within 24 hours of the mini budget. And that's bearing in mind it was in a weekend. I think it's been tumultuous. And I'm glad this is done via a non-video link because I think if could people could see my face, I've aged 10 years in about 10 days. That's awful. So you look about 30 now. That's terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, my, my, my nerves are also hopping around like you wouldn't believe. But uh, we have two familiar faces or voices rather with us to, to help us make sense of the past interesting period in finance. From the Investments Research and Data Company Morningstar, we have Mike Coop, who is head of multi-asset portfolio management for Europe, Middle East and Africa. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? I'm very well, Andrew. Uh, good to be here. And uh, yes, it's been a very calm and boring week. Yes, it's just, I don't, I, I don't know what we're worried about. And uh, also with us from Warning Stars, Mark Prescott, Senior Portfolio Manager. Hi, Mark. How's it going? Happy to be back. And um, <laughs> glad I've got something interesting to talk about this time. I don't think the question, <laughs> how's it going, has ever been quite so loaded as it is at the moment. <laughs> We've got a lot to deal with this time. Uh, we're not going to pass judgments on the government for the sake of Andy's blood pressure. We're just going to look at the effects of their uh, of, the, of the policies and what's been going on. We've had Quasi Quarteng's fiscal event and its aftermath. And then the aftermath of the aftermath as the Bank of England intervened. Plus, we've got a sterling crash, or is it? We've got interest rates rising. And uh, did anybody notice both a new king and a new prime minister? They all both seem to be uh, side events at the moment. What does it all mean for savers and investors? Right, let, let's get into it. First up, that fiscal event on the 23rd of September, definitely not a budget. It contained a 1p cut in the basic rate. And initially, the end of the 45p top rate of income tax, that was swiftly and infamously walked back. But the whole thing wasn't all taxed. The top dividend rate was cut. Stamp duty reduced. It was a huge energy package. Andy, what stood out for you? What 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 are the things maybe that people didn't cotton to that are important? I think the bit that stood out to me was the corporation tax cut. So in a way, running a small business, you look at that and think, oh, that's really beneficial. But it didn't filter down to the people who probably need it when you've looked at the dramatic increase in mortgage payments that are coming on now. So I felt the 1% sort of basic rate tax cut, great. But when you look at what has happened with interest rates and refinancing and borrowing rates, it's not going to touch the side. So to me, where the corporation tax bill might save multinationals a lot of money, will it really impact the people who are going to be hit by some of the severity of what's going on at the moment. Yeah, it's as if they uh, they don't realise that small business owners are also usually kind of homeowning mortgage payers rather than, you know, they, they seem to imagine they have the, the superstructure of a large business in a business that's small. Because I think when you're looking at, I think this energy cap, we all, people believe it's only £2,500, but that's for the average. Mm. But you can afford maybe to make some sacrifices on your heating but if your mortgage payments go up by eight hundred or a thousand pound, that's some big drastic choices you've got yeah. to make and challenges ahead. And six, seven years ago, I think the Bank of England stress tested a three percent base rate rise, and they found out that one in four people would be financially distressed. So I think we're here. So, I mean, this is the question I ask you on every single show. Under these circumstances, what should investors do? Should you change your plans for saving and investing? I don't think you should. I don't think you should ever have a knee-jerk reaction. But I think we, as financial advisors, we have to understand that some people will have to slow down their 
savings accounts, they might have to make different changes. But the worst thing, and the thing that worries me, is that people will make short-term knee-jerk reactions, taking on second charges on mortgages, or they'll take out their lump sum from the pension because they're 55 and they'll think that will help, and the damaging impact long-term will be terrible. I would urge everyone listening to this just to sit down and consider this is unprecedented. It is very volatile, but you can make a decision now and regret it for the rest of your life. It's very important that people do look at a balanced approach of what to do and not to sometimes make a knee-jerk reaction on what looks like the simplest option, but actually over the long term can cost you big time. Mark, what, what was your take on the, uh, the the government's rather explosive financial package, which large chunks of it just seemed to come out of the blue? We knew they were interested in cutting taxes, but uh, the, the, the results of it seemed to go far beyond the domestic economy and into affecting the confidence of international investors in Britain. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, without, without passing judgment, I mean, I, I do think it was very, it was a very aggressive mini budget at a time where you know where the economy isn't isn't at its strongest, and we're dealing with inflation pressures. And quite rightly, the market is saying, "How are you going to pay for all of this?" You know, the the way that the market's reacted in, in terms of the reaction in the bond market is, we we need higher bond yields to lend you the money to pay for all this, and that's exactly what's happened. And then also. They've completely ignored the spectre of inflation. So it's it's very counter-cyclical. It felt like the last throw of a dice. The timing is was with a in very polite terms, very, very odd. <laughs> and so we've had this ramifications of very high bond yields. The market, you know, and that's pushed through to mortgage rates. I mean, the mortgage rate is a reaction to what's happened in the bond market, unfortunately. And we've seen a very sharp repricing of interest rate risk because ultimately these measures need to be paid for. There's going to be less tax take. So they need to, you know, the, the reaction, the reality is that the government will need to borrow more and that to bond investors aren't mugs. The street never lies and they will, they will, they're, they're, they're demanding higher yields higher interest rates to lend that money and that's what we've that that's ultimately what we've been seeing sounding very much like an old school hip-hop star there the street never lies i'll remember that one <laughs> can, can you explain to me the bank of england's intervention this is a 65 billion program of buying government bonds is this right i mean yeah, explain it to an idiot like me and what it means so it, it's a um, a very technical situation around how pension funds have been matching their assets to their liabilities and they've been using derivatives since the sort of the 90s they've been using derivatives liability driven investment is the sort of the, the, the parlance that, that's used in the industry and what happened is we saw incredibly sharp rises in the long end of the curve and it forced these pension funds to have to put up cash to pay for their derivatives. The, the investment banks didn't want gilts, they wanted cash. And simply put, the pension funds were nearly ran out of cash. I mean, the Bank of England reacted because there was a systemic risk. It was very isolated to the long end of the curve. And there was a doom loop. So as the yields rose, the pension funds had to sell more 
more bonds to pay to pay the investment banks and there was uh, the more bonds they sold the higher the yields got and because there was you know the buyer of last resort there was no buyers out there so it was very specific to a particular type of market these are sort of unintended consequences of ill thought out policy and, and and sharp moves in bond markets and for a while there the long end of the curve it was it was, there was a disorderly sell-off unfortunately and it's it, you know the bank of england in my opinion did the right thing it came in to 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 to, to, to sort of see off that systemic risk Mike, how is how is the rest of the world's markets viewing the events of the past couple of weeks in the UK? Because we've seen everything from, shall we say, mild concern to effectively describing Britain as a bit of a basket case. Yeah, Andrew, there's definitely been a surprise that Britain would do something like this. The the concerns range from not following the usual checks and balances that were in place, things like having the uh, Office for Budget Responsibility uh, check the assumptions that were being made for the future and whether those assumptions were realistic. And also just a lack of clarity. The growth plan didn't actually have any details about what was going to cause growth to go up for people to then assess that. And of course, it wasn't a budget because in a budget, you get a full set of information about both the taxation, the spending, and the debt implications. And what you're worried about for someone lending money to the UK government is, is, is the, the amount of debt ultimately going to be repayable? There are large deficits. The government is spending far more than it's earning. What is going to make sure that those deficits shrink over time and that the government is going to better repay me? So it wasn't seeing the detail. All it was seeing was, as Mark indicated, spending a lot more money. You've not matched this with increases in taxation. You've actually uh, cut tax, given that you want to subsidize people's energy bills. And then you're talking about more tax cuts. So I think a combination of those things. Now, ordinarily, the UK wouldn't be the most high-profile country in the world. It's just that right now, rates and inflation are going up everywhere, and people are particularly attuned to this movement in, in yields and are particularly attuned to the fact that we're in a race. We're in a race to attract the capital of other savers in other countries to fund our deficits. And so we're having to compete with other countries that are also raising rates. And we didn't look too good because our yields were a lot lower. And suddenly people thought, well, there's this risk I didn't think was there from these people who have taken office. I didn't even know who they were. And they got a fright. So that's really, that's really it. You know, the, the UK is in the dock. Its credibility is in question to an extent that hasn't happened for a, for a long time. And that's why we're seeing you know, the spotlight on what happens next. Andy, Truss and Quartang have made a massive deal about this being a tax cutting government and a growth government, almost to the exclusion of everything else. Setting aside whether you think that is a, a, a thing to support or not, Again, what does it what does it mean for the people who are going to be listening to this podcast for a for a, a saver and investor if uh, we, you know we have a government that you know even after the turmoil of the past couple of weeks has said it is going to cut taxes because that's going to produce growth? I think tax cuts are great, but if you cut somebody and they're earning one hundred and fifty pound a month more in their net salary, but the cost of paying debt such as mortgages or credit cards gone up by three hundred pound a month, it's not helping them. 
So ultimately, and then if you're looking at inflation at the moment, possibly around 10%, and they're getting, say, 3 4% pay rises, again, it's not helping them. You have to have a tax cut if it's appropriate. But I think what most the people I've spoken to have been concerned about energy bills, paying them. And obviously, they're also concerned now about the cost of borrowing. And I think the energy cap is one thing, but I think when you're looking at the fact that the government are going to fund it through taxpayers' monies over a decade, I'm wondering where the tax cuts actually come from to fund it. People worry about what they can pay at the moment. And so, like I said to you, people will make rash decisions because they are looking at the here and now and they're looking at, can I afford my mortgage? Can I afford my credit card? Can I afford the commitments I've got if I've got less in my pocket? And the general tax cut isn't significant enough, in my opinion, to fund the cost of inflation or the cost of borrowing that people are seriously concerned about. Interest rates are rising. We think that inflation may have peaked or maybe about to peak about about that round 10% area. This has obviously got uh, all the, the huge implications that you've just described there. Where do you see them both going in the, in the medium to longer term? Are we now entering into an era of high inflation and high interest rates? It's, it's a crystal ball moment, um, but I can tell you what the current interest rate swap market is saying, that we are as of today or as of yesterday, interest rates will, will be rising quite significantly up to sort of 5.5% by this time next year, you know, 1% at the next meeting, another percent in, this, in sort of mid-December. So some quite sharp moves. Whether that comes to pass is another matter, but that is what the interest rate swap market is pricing in. And that that is why the mortgage fixed rate mortgages today have gone up so much because they're priced off the swap market. So those 6% two-year interest rates, they are the reaction to, to the market really really saying that the, the Bank of England is need, needs to raise rates, as, as I alluded to more, to A, to make bonds attractive, but also to stifle inflation. All these measures by the Tory government are inflationary. They're not deflationary. So it's up to the Bank of England to raise rates. That is what the price market's pricing in. That said, from experience, the we've the the, the the spot market has always been more optimistic on the Bank of England. The Bank of England has actually been pretty reticent to raise rates. They've been raising rates by fifty bips when the market's been asking them for, to raise rates by. They're very nervous about inflate a recession and the impact on the housing market. So, as it stands, the reason mortgage rates are so high is because. The, the 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 street is saying five and a half percent five and a half percent interest rates next year. I mean, I will try and leave on on, on a piece of positivity. And the bond market has already priced in a lot of that move. So two year gilt yields are sort of north of four four point two four point three. The last time I checked, so they've moved, that they have you know the bond market has moved, and so a lot of those losses that you get as the yields rise have, 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 have come through. But who knows how the inflation inflation is driven by a lot of factors, you know, Ukraine war, a lot of factors that are out of our control. But we are seeing some signs of inflation peaking and topping out. Um, we can see it with sort of consumer behavior, survey data, and actually the energy price is, is not $100 anymore. It's sort of 80 So very muddy picture. 
but you know the, the fact is that you know that the market the street is expecting some pretty pretty significant rate rises from here mike from this tumult what are investment managers like yourself or investment information providers rather what action are you taking what what what, what things are you doing to make sense of this new reality all i can really comment on is is, is sort of how we're seeing the world and it's feels to everyone living through this painful and scary but actually for savers who can invest money it is actually a good time to put money to work because uh, the the fall in the price of assets means they're better value and you're getting you're getting more bang for your buck when you invest now than you did before you've got higher if you're buying annuities then you're getting a much more much more attractive rate if you're buying shares you're getting a more attractive rate so for long term savers this is actually really good even though it feels terrible now you've got to take a long term view about being patient to wait for that return to come through and you've got to steal yourself for the fact that conditions are going to continue to feel uh, un- un- very uncomfortable there's a lot of uncertainty and of course it's always possible that asset prices fall further but they're starting to represent a lot better value and we as as investors are starting to feel you know uh, strangely more comfortable about the prospects for investments than we have for some time so we're seeing it in terms of fixed income now being a much better bed in portfolios than it was before we're also you know starting to see some of that a shocking overvaluation we talked about before in the US market and particularly innovation themed parts of the market that, that shocking overvaluation step that's sort of starting to starting to be reversed and that's actually weirdly enough making it safer for investors because the last thing you want as an investor is to overpay for even a very good quality asset and find that it falls in value even though that company might do quite well from a profit perspective so uh, you've got to uh, to quote to quote the uh, uh, the words of someone very famous who's no longer with us, <laughs> keep calm and carry on. Keep your eye on the prize in terms of the long term game you're playing of trying to build your wealth and recognise that now it's actually a better time than it has been to buy assets because they're going to give you a better return than they did before. Well, just to wrap up, then I mean I can't remember a crazier week in money since black wednesday really i think no maybe the financial crisis 2008 it's certainly the craziest week since then each of you tell us your main takeaway from this very strange fortnight the 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 thing that we should all be keeping at front of mind andy i think andrew the one thing that this week has reminded me of is when we started doing these podcasts during covid me and you talked about it and we did it on air that we said this could be one of the best opportunities for buying long-term saving plans, whether it's pensions or individual savings accounts, because as Mike's just said, there was fair value out there. And sometimes I think in the UK we're tempted to look when things are at a high and think it's a good time to buy where it's reversed. And I think what Mike has said is just brilliant. And the other thing reminds me of one of my favorite sitcoms when I was a child, Dad's (laughs) Army. Don't panic, Captain Mannering. And I think if we don't panic, things will get considerably better. Also, good advice from uh, Dad's Army. Put that light out. Napoleon. (laughs) Very good advice from Wharton Hodges. Um, Mark, what's your takeaway from this week of craziness? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, at Morningstar, we try to sort of focus on fundamentals. And it's been interesting because normally the politics and budgets, we you know, we see that as 
typically noise, but this has made such a noise that it's actually impacted asset prices materially. So I can't remember a, a policy decision, a mini budget getting so much attention globally. So, you know, and, and I, some of it's justified, but often, you know, um, global media and media-like headlines. So, you know, a lot of this can be reversed very quickly. We've seen it already. So, you know, um, we're focusing on the price of assets and, and the expected returns of our portfolios. And, you know, the underlying... It, Pieces that we're buying are now cheaper, and then our our overall portfolios have the highest expected return I've seen for for over five years. So, you know, our returns should be higher from here. In reaction to this, it's been a painful and crazy journey, but I would always um, stress the fact that you know politics politicians move. You know, they they they're often just trying to make their name in the sun for for a short period of time and who knows what will happen next year or in a couple of years time and what, where we'll be. So Mike, you get the last word. Uh, presumably more than one word. So um, the, uh, I think Mark's now that, you know, um, it's tempting to hear things and that um, when they're shocking, you, you react to them as if they're permanent and often things change. And, and so what we really should be probably just taking a step back um, and thinking um, that just because if things feel terrible and the economic conditions are bad, and that doesn't mean that it's a bad time to invest. It's really the price of assets and to what extent to which they're pricing in bad news. And weirdly, the worse you feel about the world and the more depressed you are about markets, the chances are the better the time to invest. That is very nearly something to be cheerful about. So thank you. Thank you for that. My nerves needed settling. Um, that's the end of this edition of the podcast. Listeners, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, thank you, Mike Coop. My pleasure. Thank you, Mark Prescott. Thank you very much. And thanks as ever to Andy Mayer. Andy, what, what are you doing next to uh, return yourself to equilibrium? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, Andrew, I think it just reminds me of the pandemic. But what I will say to the people listening, if anyone's got any concerns, please call us, whether it's about interest rates or whether it's about your investments, just pick up the phone. Because I think, like Mark has just said, and Mike, sometimes the headlined news in the papers can actually frighten people more than the reality. And sometimes switching out the noise makes you actually make much better decisions. Good advice. That was... And, I, and I'm going to go for a pint, if you're asking an honest question, before they go up to £8 a pint. That's even better advice. Uh, so that that was uh, Andy Mayer, the Frazier Crane of finance. He's listening. Uh, listeners, thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow It's Your Money on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or your favourite app. The next edition will come to your phone seamlessly then. And uh, with a bit of luck in a month's time, things won't be quite as nervous as they have been this time. We hope you find the podcast useful. See you next time. <laughs>